This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is sponsored by BT, because BT means business. BT knows that businesses come in many shapes, sizes and guises, from the person just starting out at their kitchen table to the biggest employer, which is why no matter what line of work you're in, they've got your back to help you succeed and do what you do best. No doubt connectivity is a must in Westminster, and it certainly helped us to get this episode created and distributed to you listening right now. BT already connects more than 1 million businesses and public sector organisations, offering secure and reliable connectivity. Nearly three quarters of people running a business or side hustle feel they couldn't do so without reliable broadband and mobile connectivity. That's why having connectivity you can count on is a must for business, whether it be facilitating multiple devices being connected at once or making team calls or guest Wi-Fi access for customers. BT's connectivity helps keep you and your customers happy. Whatever your business, BT's got your back. Search BT's got your back. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. Hello, this is the Redbox Podcast. I'm Matt Chorley, bringing you the best of my Times Radio show. You can listen live Monday to Friday, 10 to 1, on your DAB radio, on your smart speaker, or download the Times Radio app. Coming to you from sunny, sunny Bournemouth today for the last day of the Lib Dem conference. Ed Davey making his big speech, attacking the Tories and the Labour Party and trying not to mention Brexit. But uh, never mind all of that, far more importantly, who was better at crazy golf? I took former Cabinet Minister, member of the Privy Council and leader of the Liberal Democrats, Sir Edward Davey, to Smuggler's Cove in Bournemouth for a game of crazy golf. Find out how he got on and how he got on answering any of my questions. That's coming up on the podcast in just a moment. But first... Let's take a look at the day's news with these two. The Columnists on Times Radio. And we are joined, as ever, on a Tuesday morning by Danny Finkelstein, who, who hasn't come to the Lib Dem conference because he gets SDP flashbacks. <laughs> and he finds it all too traumatic. It's trig- triggering, isn't it, Danny? <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, I did. I did. Um, actually, funnily enough, after the SDP and the Liberals merged, and I was at the Times, I did avoid the Liberal Democrat conference for a while. But I have been to several. Um, and then, and then, actually, one time I went to. Uh, to Glasgow for the Liberal Democrat conference and the editor said to me um, in order to make this easier for you I'm going to forbid you to go to the uh, Liberal Democrat conference because he knew that that meant I wouldn't have to go back to travelling miles and miles and miles in order to be at, to be at a conference which we at that point weren't covering that much. <laughs> Just take us back to the final days of the SDP. Um, oh, <laughs> you love this, Danny. I, I this love is, this story. This is not the the, the the Liberal Democrats won't like this story because it involves the bit of the SDP that didn't merge with them, whereas they think they are the successor party. But I was on the national executive of David Owen's party that carried on when the Liberal Democrat party began there was a merger uh, and it carried on until it couldn't go any further and at the la- very very last conference David Owen gave his speech I was on the platform party we all stood up and moved our seats back and knocked the whole set over um, <laughs> uh, and it was actually it should there should be some footage of it because there was some TV there I think they realised it was going to be they were filming the last moments of this organisation and that was that was the last meeting we ever had so it was symbolic <laughs> And joining me here in uh, in Bournemouth, 
hoping that something else falls over. Miranda Green, Deputy <laughs> Opinion Editor and Columnist at the FT. Miranda, how are you? I'm really well. I've had a brilliant time at the seaside and I wish Danny was here with us. Well, because Danny, actually, talking of uh, sets behind us, we've got the full set of uh, Ed Davey um, uh, props. So I'm sitting in front of the Time's Up for Rishi Sunat, the big clock. We've got the blue door. It's time to show Sunat the door. And the Get the Clowns Out of number 10 um, cannon. So we've got the full uh, the full set. I do like conferences. I mean, first first of all, it, it is interesting to watch a political party, and I do watch because you can tell quite a lot about them. So yesterday, uh, you know, uh, when there was the vote on housing targets, that's actually very interesting to learn about the Liberal Democrats. And you have to have a quite a granular approach to it to understand why that vote happened and what it was really saying. Uh, so these things can be really interesting to watch, actually. And uh, also, if you're a political aficionado, it's lovely to. Speak spend time with a lot of other people who are interested in politics both journalists and uh, and politicians uh, but uh, one, one, one man's aficionado is another man's nerd though isn't it well, it, you know it does have that kind of comic con you know <laughs> aspect to it here we all are gathered at the seaside yeah. with a bunch of, of fellow obsessives yeah but you know danny's absolutely right i mean that that debate yesterday was so heartfelt and passionate and interesting and the sort of policy depth an understanding of the people who were standing up to speak. I was actually sitting next to Tom Watson, Lord Watson, former, you know, deputy leader of the Labour Party, yeah. in that debate, and he stopped looking at his Why phone. He? he hasn't defected. You know, he? he's representing some corporate interest yeah, of, of some sort. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, that's what they do. Yeah. Um, but you know, he 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 quite quite soon stopped looking at his phone and listened to the debate and said, well, you know, that was a really amazing high-quality debate. We don't get that. The Labour Party, I don't think he was saying that with regret, by the way. I, no. thought, he, I think he thought it was absolute insanity <laughs> to let yeah. party delegates actually set policy, which fact, of we course can have is a, a sort we, of... We can have a little listen to this. Yeah. So this was Ed Davey wanted to drop an existing party policy to uh, pledge to build 380,000 new homes a year in England. He said it was a developer's charter you know, cynics point out it's because they're going against Conservatives in lots of shire areas and they don't want to be looking like they want to build everywhere. Um, but So he wanted to drop the pledge, but the membership voted to reinstate it. Tim Farron, former Lib Dem leader, was trying to speak in favour of dropping the promise and got booed. Let's take a listen. Vague targets let and empower developers to build the houses that they want, but never, ever, ever the homes that we desperately need, especially that young people actually need. The authors of Amendment 1 do not mean it, but it is pure Thatcherism. A laissez-faire, free market, free market, winner-takes-all bonus for those who see houses as capital investments, hardy hideaways, nice little pension pots, but not homes for the millions who need them. Yeah, the young people didn't like being called Thatcherite, did they? No, they didn't like it one little bit. And I think actually, uh, you know, Tim Farron is a really brilliant platform speaker, but I think that backfired on him. And, you know, the mood of the hall really changed. But it was really interesting because there were two former coalition housing ministers who spoke mm. in the debate on opposite sides on whether there should be a national target. And actually, as Danny says, you know, the, the ins and outs of how you get good, high-quality housing developments where you actually need them with public support locally is a huge problem for all parties because I think, you know, as you, you may well have already discussed this morning, I'm sorry I haven't been listening all morning already, but, you know, locally, a lot of this general election is going to be like by-election fights. Yeah. And so those local issues, which tend to be sometimes NIMBY-type issues about housing developments, etc., will actually feature quite high on the list of priorities for people making those seat calculations. So that's why there was such a battle yesterday about the housing targets.
And Danny, it's a reminder that the Lib Dems as the, as the third national party, fourth obviously behind uh, the SNP in the Commons, but a reminder that they, they do have a reputation of saying one thing in one place and one thing somewhere else, and what they might think nationally against what they want to say locally, really thrown into the spotlight uh, by this. And, and they, actually, you, you can't always face... Two, two directions at once. Yes, it's true. Let's be fair. All political parties have differences of view, <laughs> yes, and, yeah. and it's reasonable to have a difference of view about something as technical as uh, a, a, de- a debate about whether you should support a, house, a national housing target. Indeed, the Conservative Party has also had uh, that debate with the government pull one way or the other, because it does divide, um, you know, kind of people's local voting interest against the national interest and it's one of the problems of a constituency based system right i I think the advantages of a constituency based system are uh, massively outweigh this disadvantage but there is a disadvantage and it is that you're not making these decisions merely nationally but in little areas one at a time and a lot of those areas want to stop development you know, theirs. It's a classic insider-outsider. But I wouldn't want to say, in this instance, the Liberal Democrats are different from other parties and having a difference of opinion over this. However, obviously, it has generally been a problem for the Liberal Democrats. They've got to fight Labour in some places and the Tories in others. What helps them this time is they're really fighting the Tories elsewhere, which weirdly means that they move to the left slightly in order to, um, to... to try to make sure that they're a repository for Labour votes and they can squeeze all the Labour votes in their constituency. But I think also that's what's been really interesting about the last couple of days here in Bournemouth is that, you know, whereas once upon a time, you know, Danny might have been incredibly irritated by this conference picking over, you know, quite obscure bits of policy that are Lib Dem obsessions. There's been none of that this week. It's all been incredibly bread and butter issues. And it's been the mood, all the fringes that I've attended or spoken at, it's all been about the strategy, about winning more seats, about building building from the base, you know, in the in the territory that's become fertile for the Lib Dems since well, since the Liz Truss episode actually they seem to think made a big difference to them in a lot of seats. It's not been the kind of obsessions of the past, like, you know, PR, constitutional issues. And actually, they seem to have left that awful obsession with Brexit behind as well. I mean, I've seen no blue berets embroidered with gold stars. Have you seen some? They're certainly not compared to 2019, where they were absolutely everywhere. So they do seem to have learned. Do you know what I mean? They're really focused on the election. They're really focused on what some might see as a slightly dull objective for the next 18 months, but which is Ed Davies' objective is just ramping up the number of Lib Dem MPs where they can. So what I do object to in party conferences, while I understand it, is the idea that party conferences should make policy decisions on behalf of the whole party because we live in a parliamentary democracy and I just don't think it works. I mean, Hugh, this was the whole debate that Hugh Gateskill had over, over CND with the Labour conference in 1960. So he was saying to them, he was saying to, to in 1959, 1960, he was saying, look, it's not just that I don't agree with you. It's also that you can't mandate me in as, a, as an MP to simply make decisions I think are not in the interest of national security. And I think he was right in that. So if you are the leader of the party and you don't believe that the right thing to do is to have national targets, how do you then implement, if you've got a parliamentary party of 20, say, of which, and which 15 agree with you and five do not, how can you implement the conference policy when 15 people in your party in Parliament think <laughs> it's wrong um, well actually i mean you know if you go back to 2010 that's exactly what happened with the tuition fees nick Clegg kept trying to drop the tuition fees pledge and it well, kept coming back yeah absolutely that that was a very predictable avoidable policy disaster for exactly the reasons that danny's 
outlined. I think on this one it's slightly different in that everyone seems to agree that the rough number is actually a good aspiration to have. It's whether the having it as a target distorts yeah. actual decisions on the ground about what are the right developments to make. But that is too abstruse <laughs> to put over to the voters. I mean, what's that famous saying? If you're explaining, you're losing yeah, the yeah, argument, yeah, yeah. right? Cool. And I think the, f the, the feeling in the hall was, you want us to ask people to read this policy pamphlet? No, we need to have a headline target because that shows ambition. <laughs> and that's what people want. Well, yeah, that's yeah. What, and that's what, what the hall caused, went for. What caused the problem for the Liberal Democrats over tuition fees was campaigning, was that Nick Clegg, having accepted the policy, then agreed that everyone should campaign nationally for a policy he thought was not a good idea so that, that that i think was an extra layer of error on behalf past the conference decision i don't think there's anything you know and and not only that but it was a policy vehemently opposed by the liberal democrats base which was professionals working in education you know they were basically with a party of highly paid public sector workers and consumers right and they and they went into the election with a policy designed to to, to appeal to that group won even more of that support and then effectively betrayed it and I could understand why it produced the reaction that it did even though I agreed with the policy Nick Clegg landed on. So I'm not sure they're in the same position now. The only thing they could do now that would cut right across the, the base of support they have would be I suppose to um, to support a Conservative government or decide on a you know uh, uh, to abandon net zero or something. I can't see them doing any of the yeah, things yeah. that would do that. It's not as big as eye catching as all that. No absolutely absolutely not but actually in a funny sort of way the absence of those very well understood headline policies like the disaster in 2010 of going in promising to abolish tuition fees that is a slight problem for them now I think you know it's so bread and butter issues here yeah, yeah, yeah. that what, what is their totemic policy you know what is their on income tax yeah. as well so there's not a thing I mean all parties you know wouldn't you agree yeah. have to have like a couple of policies that show you something about the values and ethos of the party and a concrete change you want to make and, and actually, I, and actually all all these little bits that the Lib Dems are coming up with are all, you know, they might, they're actually all pretty good ideas, I would argue, but none of them are the sort of one thing that you could identify that encapsulates the party's kind of vision so, and aspiration so for the country. Don't get, don't get me wrong, so, so no one listening to this thinks it's unclear. I, I think the Liberal Democrats are completely pointless. And, I, and, I, and I, do, I don't mean by that I don't have huge respect for, liberal, for, for liberalism, for liberal democracy, for the political ideas of the party, but they are a political party that is going to effectively win centre-left votes against the Tories uh, and then stay out of the centre-left government that is then formulated for obscure political reasons that are impossible for anyone to understand. And why on earth they do not form a... <laughs> why on why earth not they getting don't destroyed again? Yeah, why on earth they don't form a single... But I, I don't think being destroyed would be a problem because because mm. creating, spending all these brilliant people, you know, but I'd include Ed Davey in this. Certainly, certainly Ed Davey is a solidly capable individual. Spending his political career effectively, um, you know, on the sidelines due to trying to create, a, have a separate organisation from the rest of the centre-left. What is it that he stands for that couldn't be held by, say, Chris Bryant? It's not PR, right? It's not, it's not, it, there's nothing that, in fact, the Liberal Democrats now say that could not be said within the mainstream of the Labour Party or on the front bench of the Labour Party, yet they're proposing to get a load of MPs and then stay out of the government they're going to create. And I just so, so cannot understand the point of it. So, so, so I, I would completely reject Danny's accusation that the Liberal Democrats have, have no separate, you know, beating heart that leads to different 
decisions in practice in politics. But I do agree with you on that. And I think Ed Davey is a kind of personification of that tension, Danny, right? Because he is actually incredibly proud of what he achieved in government as energy minister. And, you know, I think he would like to talk about that more. I think he would like to talk more about renewable energy and all those changes there's a tension that he there, made. Then he has to admit he sat he around the cabinet with the exactly coalition. And so, he can't, exactly. he can't do both. But I tell you what, I have been really pleasantly surprised by, and I hope this sort of makes Danny feel better. <laughs> um, you know, in a fringe meeting I was doing last night, I had been assuming, because the leadership is so chary of any coalition talk, I had assumed that, you know, the activist base would be as well. They're quite interested. And yeah. I said, but surely you don't want to do that again. Surely those dreadful decisions and compromises. And they said, no, we love it. And we did a show of hands. And they would absolutely be up for power sharing. Really interesting, I mean, that. You know, what, you, we can have a separate argument about whether that's otherwise? remotely likely. But actually, they're up for it, no, Danny. So the caution, of the, the caution of the leadership is not necessarily they're, representing yeah, yeah, the yeah. party's appetite to put policies into practice, right? people I have a lot of respect for, but they all um, are wasting their time on a separate political organisation. <laughs> on a separate political organisation that's entirely unnecessary. I don't know why you didn't come in <laughs> entirely unnecessary. Person, no, no, I do. I do. <laughs> yeah, it's, I, good, it's good you, they kept you away, I, Danny, no, but honestly. The thing is I, even, com- even I couldn't have protected you. This combines, this combines with my... The, I realise that. The weight people of vehemently, sandals showering this, down on it. No, no, this, com- <laughs> this really, honestly, this combines with my personal respect for them, right, um, and the political things they stand for. I'm just observing that there's nothing they stand for that you couldn't be in the mainstream of the Labour Party and stand for. Literally nothing. And nobody could explain what that is to me, of a political view or a policy on anything that isn't completely... So what is the point of having a party conference, raising in money, running candidates against Labour Party in some places, right? When all, at the end of the day, you you have a policy that is completely foldable into the mainstream of the Labour Party. And I I don't say this as an attack. That's a perfectly dignified position. Liberal democracy is a position, but it's a position that's held by Labour because Labour's moved away from socialism, which doesn't work, and pretty much embraced social democracy. So I can't understand what the point of another Do you, do you not think that there are still sort of slightly authoritarian instincts in the Labour Party and instincts that go against the individual and instincts well, that go against liberty? I mean, I, you know, I, would, spectrum, I would argue that that's yeah, yeah. still... You know, I think pluralism in a democracy is really important. And even if a, a minority party for a while, through fear, let's face it, maybe loses its way a bit or becomes a bit overcautious isn't really a good argument for just having two monolithic parties to offer the voters because that doesn't represent the breadth of opinion in this country. But in the yeah. end, it is that is what people are going to have, right? So they, they are going no, to... You've got to you no, know, if you don't want the Tory party anymore, you've got two levers to pull as a voter, depending on where you are, I admit, because yes. that's first past the post. You can have the Tories can, or not pull, the Tories. You, yeah, but you can pull the yellow lever. And, that's and get Labour. <laughs> That's the point I'm making. <laughs> you get, get Libra. Right. Oh. Yeah, come on, everyone calm down. Well, we've got 18 down. months of this. So so, yeah. Who knew it could get so heated at Libra <laughs> Right, we've got five minutes. Miranda is confused by what Rishi Sunak is doing, and Danny is going to explain it all. Uh-huh. Miranda, first of all, your confusion. Well, we're told by Downing Street that this is about long-term decisions, even hard truths that the country needs to face, and that Rishi Sunak's platform for the election is going to be based on him telling the country how it's going to have to be for the long term. But it seems to me that the various ideas coming out of Downing Street are more like a sort of weird potpourri or a policy salad, (laughs) none none related, and more like a kind of terrible 3am list that you write and then wisely rip up in the morning. And I'm wondering if Danny thinks there is any coherent platform emerging from the whole Let Rishi Be Rishi movement inside 
the Conservative Party. Danny? Yeah, I don't think it's a narrative. Uh, I think what he's done is gone to a load of different decisions that he thinks have been poorly made and decided he's going to make them during the time he has left as Prime Minister, but you wouldn't be able to run on that as a platform, in my opinion. Um, but neither he doesn't have an emotional component or a narrative consistency, albeit that I think that there's an, a lot to be said for the decisions that he's made in uh, on the energy uh, policy. And I, I'm inclined against the decision he seems to be heading towards on the H- HS2, but I wait to see what the figures are that have persuaded him of this, because I've learnt with Rishi Sunak that he usually makes these big decisions for good reasons and actually when you try and engage with him on the policy you often find he knows that he's made there's not it's not stupid uh, so I, I wait I'll await that um, but I you know I kind of see Miranda's point they're not an electoral strategy does it mean then that he's getting all these things out of the way before alighting on an election strategy or has he given up on an election strategy no I think I think um, it's possible that he's you know he sees that um, if he can raise his own personal ratings as a prime minister that can make yeah. big decisions, then that's one. If he can get that and the economy on track, those are the two things that settle an election. So I would see them as about changing perceptions of him. There's a little bit of evidence actually that the decision on green policy did do that. Um, a little, a li- you know, did did help him a tiny bit. Um, but let's let's see. I, I think you know, there's all when you say you're going to make difficult decisions that others haven't made. There's usually a reason why they haven't made them. So I'm not <laughs> sure, you know, and that's the politics of it. And I'm not sure that. Uh, you know, there'll be a, it'll help him that much, but that doesn't mean to say it's, it's wrong. I, I just don't think it's an electoral strategy. That's which is a different point. Do, do you not think, sort of, in a in a sense, the the public started off giving Sunak the benefit of the doubt because the sheer sense of relief that somebody sensible and competent, and as you say, clever, was in charge yeah. after the sort of chaos of Truss and Johnson, and that actually this sort of slight scent of panic that's coming out of Downing Street with some of these policy decisions and, and lists of ideas actually undermines that instinctive trust in Sunak as, as different and not chaotic. Well, I, I'm not sure they see him as chaotic, but I'm not sure they also see him as change from trust and Johnson because right. his yeah. ratings have gone back to where they you know, have sort of defaulted to them. Um, so... You know, I don't think there's any point... I see him differently to that, but I don't think there's any point me arguing the electorate does because the figures and the focus groups show that isn't the case. There's no point me me, saying, me, me superimposing my own view on everyone else's. You know, I'm more impressed by him than most people are, but I can understand why they... You know, but I can see clearly that that's not the case, you know. But, I mean, do, do you not also think... I mean, you know, Danny, you and I have both been in the kind of backroom operation. There's always somebody whose job it sort of is, and it was definitely me with Paddy Ashdown, yeah. to kind of rugby tackle the leader before they say <laughs> something they haven't thought through. Yeah, and I just... Yeah. Have they got enough people? No. I think he has. No, I think he has thought these things through. I'm just, and I, and I, and I don't think they're stupid things to do, right? For example, moving the electric vehicle target back to 2035, I think, is a correct decision on the basis of everything that we know. We're electrifying the country. I don't think we'll have it done yeah. in time, right? So I thought that was mm. sensible and, you know, I didn't necessarily think the presentation was right, but I thought it was reasonably well, sensible. That's the, I suppose that's it's just not a narrative. Thing. It's yeah, not yeah, a narrative for an election. Miranda Green from the Financial Times and, of course, Danny Finkelstein from the Times. You can read him in the Times every week. Just get yourself a subscription. Go to thetimes.co.uk forward slash Times Red Box. Up next, I take on Ed Davey on the Crazy Golf Course. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. You're listening to the Redbox Podcast. Now it's time for this. The Big Thing on Times Radio. Right, so Ed, Ed Davey. How, what, how competitive are you? Very. Very good. Yeah. Well, we'll see if, if it starts going bad in not that, all. That's, the whole, that's the whole first of all. I am more interested in the, in the mini golf in your interview. You do realise that. Which is why I might catch you out. So, Ed Davey, welcome to Smuggler's <laughs> Cove. Smuggler's Cove. We're going to see how far we can get round the hole. So, this is a nice straight. You can go first. I haven't even practiced. Well, I, I've been practicing all afternoon. I bet you have. Skullduggery. Oh, that, oh, was, close. that, was, that was close. That was almost right. a hole in one. Do we, do we, do we, do we, okay, you go now. Shall I go now? You go now. I'll try not to knock you out of the way. If you get a hole in one, I'll be very upset. Oh, a bit closer than me. So I get the next tap. Can I do it in two? Is this a part two? I yes, it is a part two, yeah. Oh, oh he's no. Missed he's missed it. Oh, right, here we go. This is for par. For par. He's only done it. He's only bloody done it. There we are. Oh, lovely. Just one under though. I'm really upset about that. But oh, that's your first hole. So that's two for me, three for you. Yeah. There okay. we are. Right. Lovely. So how's conference been? I love, I'm loving it. You know, this is the first conference since 2019. Yeah. Um, and uh, I actually have been to almost every conference since 1989. Yeah. So that's even more years. than me. Yeah. So, so, so I think I missed one. Yeah. So missing four, it's a bit, and you feel it. I mean, it's like because it's like an extended family. So the last time you all met in 2019, Joe Swinson was about to become prime minister, and then take us back into the EU. How do you think things look now? Are you about to become prime minister? Well, uh, I think it's fair to say quite a lot has happened since four years. You know, uh, this time last year we were hoping to have a conference and. And Her Majesty died. So uh, things change, and uh, what's really important in politics is to make sure you recognise those changes because those changes in people's lives. And uh, I think it's so so important that you listen to people, find out where they are, and you know, at the moment, when I talk to people across the country, it's 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 cost of living. It's and, and the NHS. They're, they're way above anything else. Way above. Would you like to be prime minister? Well, listen, I think uh, any politician wants to be able to exercise as much influence as possible. That sounds and, like a yes. Uh, uh, well, of course, it, it, of course one would want to be. Uh, but, you know, what, what's what's going to do is deal with the reality of the situation. I think Liberal Democrats are stronger now than we've been for quite some time. 
we've been gaining lots of seats uh, off the Tories um, in the by-elections. Our council elections are going fantastically well. And the party's in really good heart here in Bournemouth. And as we look to the next election, I think we can make a lot of gains. Almost all off the Conservatives, it's fair to say. Yeah. Primarily in what I've called the Blue Wall. We've talked about that before in your programme. Um, I think uh, I'm increasingly confident we can win in the West Country again. I think when we last spoke, I wasn't so, but it's, 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 it's clearly shifting sands yeah. uh, uh, in the West Country. Is that because you've stopped talking about Brexit and leave voting West no, Country? No, I, 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 trust I, you again. I, I actually think it's two or three things. I think the first thing is, and I'll be very frank with you, I think people are really fed up with Conservatives. And in some seats, people want to know who is the candidate. Yeah best place to be the Conservative in, in many parts of the South West. That, that's so, so I'll be frank with you, that's one of the reasons. I think the other reason is that um, if you look at the issues, I've already talked about them, the cost of living NHS, mm. we've been developing a whole series of policies and ideas on them, campaigning hard on them. And I think in the West Country, the, what we've been saying has gone down really well. It, really interesting, in the villages of Somerton and Froome, that was our last by-election yeah. victory, what was noticeable was those are villages we'd never really won before even when we held the seat with David Heath um, and those villages have been traditionally very strong conservative and we were doing really well in them and the issue that uh, those voters were talking about was the NHS it, yeah. it's almost as if the rural communities across our country have uh, had a, a particularly bad deal uh, on the NHS getting GP appointments you've seen a lot of rural GPs yeah. Go. And, that's a, and it's a big difference in between uh, towns and, and more areas as well. So uh, let's have another hole. Oh, please. And then we'll continue. Which Where is the we, next one? This is two. Well, this is, two this is number two. We might not get around all 18, but this is quite good. So you can either go up and over. Oh, you're going the wrong way. Oh, hang on. Where's the hut? Two. Oh. Two traffic. Oh, okay. You've got to go through the two. Well, you can go first on this one. I went first on the so last you've got a, one. You've got a choice of three holes there. Are you going for the left, you're going for the right, or you're going to stick in the middle? I'm going down the Lib centre. Lib Dem, middle of the road. Straight down the middle. Here he goes. Oh, oh, he's done it! He's done it! Has he come? Has he come out? Yes. Right. The pressure's on you now. Are you up for this? Yeah. Here we go. Where here you go. go? You going left or right or centre? No, I'll go in the middle as well. Uh, Following your lead, like I, the nation. I think you're showing bias towards it, don't you? Ah. Oh, well sorry. Uh, to be clear, I think someone stood on the call standing really, oh, really through. Oh, really distracted. I didn't make me. any excuses. Did anything go wrong for me? Oh, oh dear. Well, this is an absolute disaster. <laughs> Oh, this is terrible. How many is that? Four? You're going right then. Three. three. Right, three. 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 Right, it's my fourth go. Just can't try and get to the pipe. Oh, this is terrible. Uh, I'm about where I started. I mean to enjoy, actually. Four. I'm literally back at the beginning now. Right, let's try again. Here we go. <laughs> Shall I sort of sit on the tomb? Will that help? Are you allowed to sit on the tomb? You can sit on there if you want to. The tomb of destiny. Just pointlessly bashing away. I feel like a Lib Dem MP. In that one. Oh, oh, no, oh, did you notice? You're allowed to move it away for the wall. Yeah! Where's it through? What's that? Eight? <laughs> Are you not my ball? Oh, it might even not have one in. Very competitive. Right, so um, this is my second go, right? Your second go, yeah. Is this part two? This must be part two. Uh, part three, this. Part three, right. Hey, I could get back to par if I get this one. <laughs> Just picking a bit of fluff off the green. Oh, oh, he's only done it. In two, one under, one under for that one. 
back to par. What's so it, what, this is, is your it, ninth shot, is it? Yes, all right, thank you, yes. <laughs> this is my ninth shot. Oh, God, I've missed you that as well. You are the Rishi Sunak this of mini golf, aren't you? Very mini golf in his case. Oh, oh for God's oh, sake. Is this 11? That's an absolute disaster. Can I just have a look at the yeah, scores? Yeah, I'm going to do the scores. There we are, look, 11. Yeah. <laughs> Same number as MPs you've got. <laughs> no, five. Ding, you're wrong. <laughs> you can't even count. <laughs> Let's move on to hole number five, apparently. We're going to skip over some of these. Hole number five. There must be a reason for that. Now, I need to ask you, every year at Lib Dem Conference, there's always a crunch vote, the big test of the leader's authority. Crunch and every year, the Lib Dem leader wins it. Yeah. So why have you just won the big crunch vote on planning? Um, uh, listen, in every Lib Dem leader's life, yeah. it's what's called a rite of passage. Yeah. And uh, when you have that rite of passage, it feels great. And I've had that rite of passage. It feels great that the young people of the Lib Dems have risen up against you and defeated you in a big vote. <laughs> well, I, th I think that caricature is not the one I, I have. Listen, uh, it's been my personal opinion that targets don't build houses because we've seen that in the Conservatives, they've had targets and targets yeah. and targets and targets and they haven't built the houses. So Isn't the truth though that Lib Dem councils don't build houses and that's no, the only no, way you can make them happen? No, actually, uh, quite the reverse. If you come to Kingston, uh, my wife, Emily, she's a councillor uh, and she's the lead on housing and she's building houses. I think you can come and help us open some of the new ones we've been building. Isn't it the case that you're trying to take all the barnacles off the bottom of the boat to not upset Tories in shy seats and they really hate top-down central targets? That's why you wanted to drop it and now you've been lumbered with that going into an election. No, you see, I, Liberal Democrats have always wanted to build more houses. We've never made a secret of that. And the real question is how you do it. And um, I, I think there was some really good arguments made uh, by the young Liberals uh, in the way that they want to pursue their target, quite different from what you'd hear from Conservatives. Yeah. You know, that they were really clear that if you do it in specific ways, and what they want this is to be done by the community. So there's a sort of national target, but there's a bottom-up approach. And that doesn't hand all the power to the developers, because that's the problem I had with top-down targets, to be honest. It was more a sort of developer's charter. Uh, and the way that the amendment has been phrased, it's very much in favour of building houses, but with a community-led approach. And that, that is actually much more in tune with uh, Liberal Democrat ideas. And actually, lots of people who live in the shires that you were talking yeah. about. Yeah. So I think we've got a double benefit. Isn't it, does it worry you at all that the last time uh, the youth vote of the Liberal Democrats uh, got you all signed up to a policy. It was to scrap tuition fees. And we know what happened after that. that actually, there is this tension within the Lib Dems. You've got a very young vote, you've got a much older vote, and they are at odds. The older vote wants, don't want house, houses built near them, and younger voters do. Well, um, uh, I, we're looking forward now, and uh, I, I think we will make this uh, work. And, you know, we're a democratic party. Uh, I'm really proud of the role that young people play in our party uh, and you know we're actually attracting a lot of young people to the Liberal Democrats they like what we say on climate change for example yeah. uh, they like what we say on the cost of living because often people think and you were a bit of a if you don't mind me saying so there was an assumption behind your question that um, there's a difference between what young people and older people want I think in many cases that's not the case well there was a case in the hall that was, there was a clear age divide in the argument on this oh well some of older colleagues I saw <laughs> they were very much in favour of the amendment too so yeah. uh, again I think that's a little, little unfair um, you talk to young people uh, and I do in my constituency and elsewhere uh, and 
they bring up issues like the cost of living. They're, they're really struggling. Okay, let's move on then. Let's go and... Uh, which, just, which, which, which hole, hole are we going for now? This one. I think you did so well at the last hole, you should start. Okay, so this is a sort of great big circle uh, with a sort of burial mound in the middle with a hole on the top. Yeah. Right, here we go. I don't want to put you off by coming over here. I won't do that, well. That's exactly what you're doing. I want to learn from your technique. Now, that was really good, actually. This part... Patronised. <laughs> is this part part two or? No, you get. Uh, oh, hang on. Let me have a look at the part two. This, yeah. Part two, right. So yeah. up up on the hump. I guess the danger is if you push it too hard. Yeah. Go over the other side. Go over the other side, yeah. You end up like Joe Swinson. Oh, oh no! Oh, what happened? What happened was <laughs> it stuck on the grass. Oh yeah. So you didn't even make it up onto the burial mound. Here we go. Second go. Oh, He's just done on it. On the green. He's on the green. I'm on the green. Right. There's a lot of pressure because you know you want to win at least one hole. Oh, two. Two. Oh, this oh. will be my third. What do you mean I want it? I want the oh, first no, you hole. Yeah, you did. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it. It's a really good feeling when what you get it in, four? isn't it? That's three. Three. Okay. Finally. So what happens now then with this 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 housing thing? Do you know? Is that now policy? You go into the next yeah, election yeah. with a. Well, you see, unlike the other parties, we, we actually <laughs> debate yeah. in public. We have votes. Our members have power. I think that's really good. So the Lib Dems uh, go into the next election promising to build 150,000 homes? Uh, we, well, let's be clear. We, the 150 uh, social homes, yeah. uh, that's really, really important. Um, you know, I, I go back to my wife again, Emily. Yeah. She's building council homes. And I'm, I strongly believe that we're only going to tackle the housing problem if we are far more ambitious uh, on social and council homes. If you, you say you're a Democratic Party, would you let the party have a vote on a second referendum? We've been debating and voting on Europe uh, yeah. about three conferences since yeah. the last election. Um, There's a lot of people here. There's a lot of people here in berets, EU berets and dances and posing with the rejoin thing. Do, do you know what? Shock horror. This yeah. is going to be really surprising. I mean, I hope it's not going to shock your viewers. The yeah. Democrats are pro-European. Yeah. It is, it well, is more than that. You're pro-rejoin. You're just pretending not to be. No, no, no. Listen, uh, I've I've long said Britain should be at the heart of Europe. You know, I've probably said yeah, that's your, that's, a, that's your, a fudge of a phrase, isn't it? You want no. Britain in the European Union. So what I've said is that is uh, currently not on the table, and and you know that. And but I if it was, that. and, and, and every, everybody knows that's not on the table. You've got. But the Liberal uh, Democrats uh, being in government, building 150,000 homes isn't on the table. But you're still debating it and voting on it and adopting it as policy. So why don't you adopt? There's a big joining the EU as a policy. There's a big distinction. Uh, if we can win many, many seats in Parliament, we can get that policy taken forward in the UK. Okay, so the, the, one of the, the challenges of Europe, which often people forget, you have to negotiate with an aside. And yeah. what the, the, that's very, very important, this issue. It's reason one of the reasons why it's currently not on the table. And it's why it's different from the housing analogy you're trying to make. And that is that the relationship with our European partners has been so damaged by the Conservatives. Uh, the trust has gone. You know, they had to endure years of Boris Johnson. Yeah, and people like that, Jacob Rees-Mogg, and they kept breaking their word. They said they'd do something and they didn't do yeah. it. And that has sour relations. So that is why this Liberal Democrat uh, Party passed at our conference, democratically, proposals for having um, a four-step process. Yeah. That's our policy. Uh, we have to be patient and rebuild that relationship, re uh, repair the damage. 
and that's what we're going to do. And you know, we are pro-European, we want to be a half of Europe, but we are very, very realistic and practical. We need to rebuild the case with the British people as yeah, well. Yeah. So do you talk about making the case, getting as many MPs as you can, and then getting that 150,000 homes thing enacted. How does that happen when you've ruled out a coalition with the Conservatives and you've probably ruled out, although I can't quite work it out, a coalition with the Labour Party? What's the point of voting for the Lib Dems? Well, there's a huge point. If you vote Liberal Democrat, you get a, a strong local champion who's going to campaign on behalf of you and your family, your community, particularly, particularly on the NHS and care. Yeah, uh, but you can't do anything about that if you're not in government. We absolutely can, uh, and you do uh, uh, in many different forms. But, but he, he, let me take it back to your question because I want to answer it. First thing, you rightly said that I have ruled out uh, doing any deal with the Conservatives. Mm -hmm. Really important that people understand why that is because it's obviously quite a big thing to do. It's partly personal. I fought the Conservatives all my life. Uh, I defeated them to win my seat. I fight them at every general election. You sat in my the cabinet seat. with them. And that's where I fought them as well. Yeah. Um, and it's good to be able to explain that to people. The Tories tried to stop Liberal Democrats doing lots of things. And, you know, I was Secretary of Energy and Climate Change. They tried to stop Liberal Democrats uh, building up the renewables in our country. Uh, they particularly, people like George Osborne, didn't want us to have the offshore wind revolution that we've achieved. So we were fighting them in government. Yeah. And guess what? We won. We beat them. And that Britain became, thanks to Liberal Democrat policies, the world leader in offshore wind. So and if you, we, we so if you were that effective, why wouldn't you go into coalition with the Conservatives again? If, you can, if you're that effective as a force around the cabinet table, why rule it out? Well, because of what they've done to our country. Right. So uh, I've been fighting them all my life, fighting them in government, and uh, I said when I became leader of the party that my top job was to beat as many Conservative MPs as possible. Yeah. Uh, I think we're not doing too badly. We've had those four by-election victories in Tory heartlands. We're gearing up. I've already talked in this interview about the Blue Wall, about the West Country, where I think we can do really well against the Conservatives. So it would be really logical, wouldn't it, having spent all that time, all that effort, removing Conservative MPs to put them back into government. We are not going to do that. I'll tell you what, I'm going to ask you about the Labour Party next. But I think we should do, try and get one more hole in. Uh, at least one more. Let's try and get one more. What about one with water? Let's find a water bottle. I'm going to regret saying that. Which one? This is number eight, Bootleggers Avenue. So what You've you got a choice, you either go up round the back and then down again, or you try and get round here but not end up in the big hole. Okay, well you, you, you seem to know a lot about it, you go first. I'll lead the way. So, uh, you're going to take the high road or the low road? I'm going to try question. and cut straight across, I think. Not helped by the fact that there were a lot of photographers standing in the way. Here we go. Ooh. Oh, Nicarama. he's done that nice. He's done that Nicarama. nice. Now I'm going to just, just for the sake of diversity, not because I think I'm going to do it, I'm going to come around the top. Is that all right? I can see this is a mad strategy. Do I have to do it from the red or can I move it away from the red? No, you've got to stay on the red. That's you're going to be in coalition with soon, so you need to get used to that. Orange and yellow sitting, uh, orange and red sitting close together. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> I could down tools with talk like that. It's Slippery Rogers, that's, that's you. Slippery Rogers? I think you took the right, I'm not going to do no, that. I'm going to go, I'm going to go. See if you can get around the angle. It's quite an angle to get up there. Nicely done. Oh, God, oh he's falling in the hole. Oh, it's not great, that. Should have done that in two. Oh, I had the length, but not the accuracy. Everything's now turned into an innuendo. 
Right, okay, it's my go, it's my go, it's my go, it's my go, here we go. Oh, oh he blew it. that one. Again, there's another one. The third eye is a carry-on crazy goal. Mr. Chorley is getting Benny Hill on me. Oh, oh, nicely done. Oh. So what was that? Is that three for you? Yeah, and four for you. Well, so come on then. But now you're feeling triumphant. Answer the question. Why won't you just say that you might go into coalition with Labour? Because, very, very simply, I set my job description to, as one of the family of the Labour Democrats to beat as many Conservative MPs as possible. And to make sure I deliver on that job description, I've got to focus on that and not get distracted by what Westminster Village... Ed, Ed, that's a cop-out. No, it's not. That is, that's no, a cop-out. No, that's, that's a politician's answer. No, it Come on, no, we're I'm having sorry. fun on the crazy golf. <laughs> just say... No. I, I, why I, not just say you might go into coalition? When I became leader, I, I was really clear about this. This is what I wanted to do, because I think this Conservative government is totally discredited. It needs to go. Um, and I think in large parts of the country, actually, particularly in the Tory heartlands, only a vote for the Liberal Democrats can get rid of the Conservative But MP. if you only exist as a force to get rid of Tory MPs, why don't you just pack up no. the Lib Dems and let the Labour Party take all the seats? No, because the more Liberal Democrats that win, the more people we have to champion their local communities, first of all, because we have lots of great Liberal Democrat candidates who are very strong. But lots of people say, what's the point of me voting for you if you're not going to take yeah. a seat in a cabinet? No, but hold on. Uh, I've never heard that, actually. Uh, funny you should say that. I've literally never heard what you said except from uh, people like yourself. Uh, when when I talk people. to when I, when I talk to voters, uh, they're really clear. They like what we are saying on the NHS and care. They like what we're saying on the cost of living in the economy. And they like the environment. Whether yeah. it's you know, sewage, we can talk about climate change and so on. And so the more Liberal Democrat MPs we get in the next parliament, the more we can champion those policies. Both, uh, and, and uh, you know, you can do that on whichever the side of the house you end up on. That's the important thing. Will you rule out going into coalition with Labour? See, there you are with a nice little hypothetical thinking about what happens after the next election. And here's another argument, which I, maybe you'll buy this one. I'm not quite so sure. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, uh, I'm dressed here as a phony pirate, so yeah. I'm going to go. Let's give it a go. Swashbuckling. Uh, swash, swashbuckling indeed. Like you, I've been around politics for a little while. I've seen a lot of Liberal Democrat leaders, a lot of my predecessors, great people. Um, some of them, however, focus a little bit too much on the question that you're asking. And what I note from observing them and from watching them and from working with them is when you do that, you get distracted from the job in hand. And as I said, my job is to get as many Liberal Democrat elect MPs elected to the next election. By the way, for completeness and for total transparency, we think there are one or two SNP MPs that we can dislodge Scotland. Yeah, yeah. uh, and there may be one or two Labour MPs, for example, Sheffield Allen, where we've got a great yeah. candidate, Shafak Mohammed. So, you know, that is my focus. Yeah. Um, Let's wind back the clock just a bit from when you were in government in those days when you were with the people who you hate so much. Um, you were for a, lot, for a few years the post minister. I was indeed. And no, not, no, no, well, not a few years. It was about 19 months. It's long enough for you to have possibly asked, is there a problem with this computer system that they're using in post offices? And I did ask it. Um, have you been surprised by essentially the scandal which has unfolded since of sub-postmasters ending up in prison, ending up, some of them died without knowing that they were uh, actually innocent. And do you wish you'd done more? 
Well, I'm not just surprised, but by shocked. Yeah. Because uh, we did, I did ask questions of post office, uh, and I said to the post office managers, you know, I hear from some said postmasters there's a big injustice. Is it true? What are you doing about it? And they were very firm in their response. Yeah. Um, and you know, one of the challenges is you have to believe what some of these managers tell you. You can ask some questions, you can push and push, but that's what we got back. And I, I, I do wish I hadn't taken their word for it. I, yeah. I wish I had said, I don't believe what you're telling me, I don't believe what my official telling me, and I wish I'd gone back further and forth, further. And maybe if I'm in, po- in post a little longer, I've done that. Yeah. Um, before we let you go, uh, Keir Starmer's done it, and Rishi Sunak hasn't done it. Would you like to play our hugely popular quiz, Can You Get to Number 10? It's a general <laughs> knowledge quiz. Rishi Sunak ran off from it, and Keir Starmer did it and only got uh, three questions right. Okay, I will play. Perfect. Are you doing this because you, you basically lost in golf? Yeah, well, I've, I've abandoned the game of golf. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, go on then. Question number one to become Minister Without Portfolio. Complete this well-known phrase, another brick in the... Wall. Is the correct answer. Question two for culture, media and sport. Uh, you support Notts uh, County, is that right? Yes. Uh, what's their home ground? Uh, Meadow Lane. Is the right answer. Question three for environment, food and world affairs. You love talking about rivers. What's the longest river in the UK? Uh, I think it's the seven. Is the right answer. Question four for transport sector. Your predecessor, Ming Campbell, was criticised for owning a gas-guzzling car when he was Lib Dem leader. What kind of car was it? Jaguar. Is the right answer. Question five for education sector. You studied PPE. Which of the three most recent Prime Ministers didn't study PPE? Richie Sunak, Boris Johnson or Liz Truss? Boris Johnson. Is the right answer. Question six, the health secretary, which of the gang of four was a qualified GP? Dr David Owen. Is the right answer. Question seven for home secretary, uh, you were approached by MI6 after leaving university. Are MI6's headquarters on the north or the south bank of the Thames in London? South bank. Is the right answer. Very good. Question eight for foreign secretary, you can speak French, German and Spanish. Which of those is the most spoken in the world? Spanish. Is the right answer. Question nine for Chancellor. Uh, you've just dropped it, but which Lib, De- Lib Dem leader first promised to put a penny on income tax? Um, Paddy Ashdown. It's the right answer. And question ten to become Prime Minister. The job you said you wanted to do, and then you'll be able to take us back into Europe without even having a referendum. Here we go. Question ten. That's not our policy. To become Prime Minister. There's a four-stage plan, I know. Question <laughs> ten to become Prime Minister. Who was the last Liberal Prime Minister? The last Liberal Prime Minister. Um, was it Bannerman? Oh, he's fallen oh, the front of hurdle! Is it Lord George? No, Asquith. Oh, go on, Asquith! <laughs> <laughs> Ed Davey, uh, you've made it to, look, you've made it to Chancellor, which is not bad. That's better than Postal Minister or Energy Secretary. Thanks so much for joining us on Times Radio. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get murdered by my party for not getting that... Up. I know, but crucially, it means we've all forgotten that I did really badly at the Crazy Golf, and that's the <laughs> Ed, really good to see you. Thanks so much for joining us. Cheers, thanks a lot. Oh, I've just nicked the ball. You better take the ball back. Take the ball back. And that's all we've got time for today's episode of the podcast. Massive thank you to the good people of Smuggler's Cove in Bournemouth. Really, it's an excellent, crazy golf course. And thanks to Ed Davey as well. All right, don't forget to hit subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. But for now, for me, Matt Trolley, it's goodbye. This episode of Politics Without the Boring Bits is brought to you by Luton Rising, owners of London Luton Airport, the UK's most socially impactful airport. Find out more at lutonrising.org.uk. 
Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. 